Hi, I'm Jill Chivers from Shop Your Wardrobe and 16 Style Types. And I'm Imogen Lamport from Inside Out Style and 16 Style Types. We've been asked to discuss the kind of the aesthetics of beauty and style and then relate it to kind of when you're not following fashion. Like, mm. what is the difference between fashion and style? Mm. And where did these principles come from? Because you may love beautiful clothes. Mm. And any of us who've seen, you know, some of the amazing costume exhibitions yeah. that are around, you know, from the Museum of Modern Art in, um, in America, in New York, uh, the V&A in, in, in London... Um, the National Gallery of Victoria has done some amazing costume exhibitions yeah. um, and, and fashion exhibitions. And, yes. what, you know, where's that kind of like that element of fat? You know, and they're called fashion. But what's fashion and what's style? Mm. And, and have we got lost with the aesthetics? I think that's something that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. And, and certainly the journey that clothing has gone through in, say, the last decade has yes. been enormous. And that has been a reflection of the social changes that have gone on. And, and a, a lot of this, it must be said, revolve around women more so than men. If, if you yes. look at how women's fashions have changed over the last We're hundred radical, years. Radical, radical change. And, and you can look at a television show, a movie or, or, or anything that depict a uh, depicts a particular era and if you look at the women you can almost always get it to within 10 years yes. the men sometimes you you wouldn't even be able to tell mm. from 50 years apart yeah. that their um, the, the clothing options available to them and what is expected yeah. have not varied as much and so mm. this really does revolve around women's mm. clothing and and we're going to reference this book here the lost art of dress by I'm going to call her dr. Linda because I cannot pronounce <laughs> no. her last name I have read this book and it and it's interesting and look, people love it some people don't love it um, we get that but she certainly raises some very interesting issues about you know where did style come from where was its journey and she references what she calls the dress doctors and these were I guess the image consultants of their day and how they adhered to a set of principles and they taught American women what those principles were. They were immensely successful and then they and had they a, a massive fall, fall from grace in the 60s and yeah, 70s. They taught in universities. Yes, they These did. These were university degrees yeah. um, and some of the first university degrees for women, um, and so, yeah. which is quite fascinating. Now, you think about it, 120 years ago, women were wearing bustles and long skirts and everything. Now, mm. 100 years ago, which is about when the dress doctors started, mm. this is when dress changed. So in the 1920s yes. was really the, you know, the, the First World War created a radical shift in mm. what women wore. Yeah. And of course, this is because the men were off at war and the women started having to do the men's um, jobs. Mm. And if you've watched Downton Abbey, it's a beautiful way to see how mm. one minute they're dressing in these, I mean, divine dresses and stuff, you know, multiple times a day they're getting dressed mm. and they're dressing up for dinner and everything's long. Which they need assistance to do. Yes. They, it cannot be done, done on their own. own. Mm. And then the next minute um, they're in, you know, women in pants. They're in an ammunition factory. factory. Yeah. You know, and they're wearing mm. some pants and they're getting around on the farm and they're doing, you know, what had been men's labour. Yeah. And that changed forever the way women dressed yeah so it was suddenly women were taking on men's clothing yeah uh and so men's style fashion so women's suits started coming into fashion um you yeah. know it, it started being okay well if we're going to kind of take on and then of course in the second world war again even more so the mm. women went into the offices women went in and started doing all these jobs and of course women's suiting um became that kind of 
the way of dressing in a formality but you know but it was an everyday sort of um, yeah. It was practical. The, the clothing yeah. had to work. Yes. Um, and one of the pieces that we wanted to read out to you was about these these principles that have nothing to do with fashion and, and where they came from. And in the book, Dr. Linda um, references the work of two art teachers, one of them called Denman Waldo Ross, who was a teacher at Harvard University. And Ross defined, I'm just going to read this, um, uh, taking the, the ideas from these art teachers and reworking them into principles that apply to dress. And here are the five principles. Harmony, rhythm, balance, proportion, and emphasis. And these were the principles that the dress doctors, the image consultants of their day, used. It, it was their touchstone. It was their, the thing that guided them um, to give the advice that they gave. And it also must be said that as well as teaching at university, you could get a degree in this. Yeah. They also had home study programs that I think it was something like 12 million women a year sent away for. That is, yes. as we are both content creators, that is phenomenal oh, how many women wrote away for. And this is in America alone. Yeah, in the 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s. I mean, it's astonishing their reach. It was yes. amazing. And they were considered the authorities on this. And I love these five principles. When, when you hear these five principles, harmony, rhythm, balance, proportion and emphasis, what does that evoke for you? For me, it's everything I do. So everything I teach is about harmony, you know, like, so colour comes into harmony, um, you know, rhythm, it's putting things together when we're thinking about how do I decide what goes together, we've got levels of refinement, we've got principles of coordination, all those elements are part of that, you know, we've got the balance, um, balance you know, proportional balance, you know, volume, voluminous with slim, you know, mm. all those things that I teach on the blog are really principles that came from art that the direct doctors mm. used to, this is how you create beautiful, aesthetically pleasing outfits, mm. and they came from the art world. Yeah. Because art we find aesthetically pleasing, yeah. particularly when we're looking back in this era. You know, mm. the, there was, the, you know, before the kind of modern art, which is a little bit more, um, might be more difficult to understand, and it's not necessarily working with these principles. Mm. And I think that's what's fascinating that there are people you go, you know, I love beautiful clothes, mm. but I hate fashion. Yeah. And you know what was very interesting in the '60s, the dress doctors lost a lot of power, and this is yes. when fashion took over. This is when mass market production took over. Yeah. And this was when it completely changed the face of what we see today, and yes. the fashion sped up, you know, exponentially, yes. and this fashion cycle, and it stopped being about kind of looking at these principles. Mm. Um, and this is when, too, though, that now they've never talked about personality as part of harmony, but for no. me, personality is a really important element of harmony. And, and rhythm and balance and proportion yes. and emphasis, yes. I would yes. suggest. The 60s is an interesting time. Um, I, I wasn't born until the 70s. Um, <laughs> but I heard Sir Elton John talking about his early start in music, and he made this statement that the 60s were a time of disruption yes. and a time of massive creativity. And this coincided with yes. the changes in the fashion industry, and it also coincided with the dress doctors and their spectacular fall from their place of yes. influence, which was attributed, Dr. Linda says, because of their inability to stay on trend with two major social changes. Um, one was to do with the women's movement, um, and the other one was to do um, with issues to do with 
cultural diversity yeah. and 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 the fact that they just didn't understand the those, modern yeah, yeah. The teen, like teenagers didn't exist till the 50s and 60s it's yeah. that it was a massive cultural shift at that time and they yeah. they weren't moving with the times they were a little bit stuck in there yeah you know in their times but i think this is one when if you are not into fashion mm, which i'm not i hate it yeah. um and but that's my definition of it. And I know you have a, yeah. a much healthier yeah. viewpoint on so fashion. So I don't look at fashion as something to love or hate. I look at fashion as it's a tool. very reasonable. Fashion is a tool. So fashion is what is out there right now. Yes. So if I need to buy some clothes right now, I am looking at what's in fashion. Then what I do is I take the pieces that fit my need for harmony and balance and rhythm and, you know, emphasis, emphasis and all those elements. Um, that work for me. Yes. So I don't need to. I don't need to take the head to toe, whole hog look. Yeah. Um, what I need to do is go. Well, oh, I like that. You know, th this creates the harmony, or this is something. You know, like I can take the pieces. It's clothes. They're tools. Mm. If, if you think about, it, this is not a. Um, and I think the thing is, they came from an era where it was very much a, this is what you wear. Oh, you had a morning dress and you had an afternoon dress and there was an evening dress and there was certain things you could wear and you had to go out with your hats and gloves and, yeah. you know. It was prescribed. It was very prescribed. Mm. Versus now we just don't have that same level of description. And the acceptance of people dressing radically different. I mean, I know growing up in Canberra, uh, which is a small city. And when I was growing up, it was much smaller than it is now. It mm. was that, that kind of, you know, you went out and you can pretty much guarantee you'd always bump into somebody you knew. Mm. And the homogenization of how everybody looked, mm. I really noticed when I moved to Melbourne. And sure, there's, there's less cultural diversity in Canberra, so of course, it's more homogenous. Mm. And then when I moved to Melbourne, you know, like... I, you know, there was so much more. You go to different parts of Melbourne and you see very different people dressing. You know, you've got the grunge, you know, back in the 90s was, was the grunge and the funky and the, mm. the hipster, and the, you know, like or whatever those kind of trends may be. Yeah. And, but there was much more kind of acceptance to mm. where, you know, more personality dressing yes. rather than just I am dressing because of the fashion. Yeah. And I remember going back to Canberra to visit my parents one Christmas and thinking, oh, it's still very homogenous here. Mm. Yeah. And so, of course, environment always comes into these things. But I think this Absolutely. is one of those things that even there now, like, it's not the same. Like, mm. it's so much more where I think we have that ability now where, you know, workplaces are no longer, you know, apart from a few few industries that are law and finance and you know insurance banking. and things like that and banking that are still very corporate business but I would say there's got to be the majority of business places these days mm. are not formal dress codes yeah. and so therefore your ability to bring your personality in to bring in your own sense of style is so much easier. And the other thing I would add to that is a, another trend is the, the growing place that technology has in our lives yeah. and the importance of the technology industry, which has always, um, well, um, the era of Silicon Valley, yes. always had a very casual, very individual look to yes. it. And now, with so many businesses having a strong technology arm to it, that has leaked through as well. Yes. And I know um, the thing about geography is really important. I would add to that and say there are certain um, events um, or, or things that you do where I have noticed just a huge change in the way that we dress. 
I grew up in a church-going um, household, and when we went to church, we dressed up. We yes. wore our best clothing. Your Sunday best. Yeah, high, you know, high heels and skirts and dresses, not exactly gloves and hats. And um, whilst I, I'm not a part of that religion anymore, um, my brother is, and they go off to church in shorts and jeans yes. and t-shirts and, and trainers, and everybody attends church that way. And it's the same for things like going to the theatre, going out to, yes. to live performing arts, going to the races, those kinds of events that formerly, um, you, you know, you dress up. Yeah, for. yeah. Formerly you would be formal, yes. and now they're much more casual, and it's totally acceptable. Except for I say the races, particularly Melbourne. Mm. Um, the races in Melbourne, I think it is the one last bastion of people dressing up. Right. And I think part of the reason is is we've got lost so many opportunities to dress up mm. that people actually really enjoy that ability to dress up sometimes yeah you know and so i mean i know even weddings these days people don't dress up like they used to mm -hmm. so it's like almost like the races is my chance to wear a big funny hat and you know yeah. really get dressed up to the nines in a way that i wouldn't the rest of my life almost to the point of costuming yes. in some some respects yes. yeah. so if you say i love beautiful clothes mm. but i hate fashion mm. well don't think about what you're wearing as fashion think about it as style and that's very, very helpful because even though I sort of hate fashion and I say that, I, I still wear clothing, obviously. I almost never shop um, in um, standard shopping environments, yes. malls, department stores. I, I, don't, I, I can't even remember the last time I went into one of those kind of shopping environments, except for basics, you know, yeah. underwear, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and so, you know, for me, I don't think of myself as a fashion wearer or somebody no. who interacts with fashion a great deal. I think of someone who is curating my own style and walking my own style path and my acquisition part of that comes from a variety of different sources and I find that really helpful because for me it puts fashion in a place that is acceptable to me yes. I have a real problem with fast fashion I, I, I think there are all kinds of issues uh, to do with that um, but you know you can navigate your own style pathway in a way that's authentic and real and congruent for you yes. with without diving headfirst into fast fashion yeah. or even just fashion trends yeah and I think this is where it's the if you find the beautiful like mm. look for the the artisan pieces Yes. You know, don't go to the mass market chains, go to the small brands, the boutiques, yes. Etsy, you know, all those kind of places, you know, make it yourself. There's a million different options you can Shop your wardrobe, you know, something like Evolve Your Style. I mean, yeah. that is such a wonderful opportunity to see your wardrobe afresh yeah. um, because that challenge is all about tapping into the untappedness that's in your closet and that's brilliant. Yes. So it's, it's not about, and I think this is where you can still appreciate clothes without buying into fashion yeah and being a fashion victim yeah um, and, and and also understanding the power of, of how your image you know is is portraying you and, mm. and how you want to be perceived I mm. mean and this is why my blog's called inside out style because it's all about claiming your inner core mm. your inner essence and expressing it on the outside mm. and so this is where putting fashion on you is an mm. outside to the outside of you process mm. yeah it's not a who am I? Mm. How do I want to be perceived? What do I love? What floats my boat? Mm. You know, what details? You know, and this mm. is why there's lots of, you know, um, different exercises you can do. And there's like lots of things on the blog that, you know, give you some tips and create your own mm. style recipe. And when you do that, when you individualize fashion, yes, that is when you're moving away from it being 
a negative mm. and into something that is a brilliant way of self-expression. Mm, absolutely. Um, so I think it's one of those things to think about. That, and it's, look, it's fascinating. And, you know, this loss art of dress, if you are interested in the kind of the aesthetics, the history, mm. um, where things come from, it is quite a fascinating read. It's not for everybody. Mm. Um, it's a bit like a you know a doctoral dissertation at times. Yeah, well, but I think it's she's got an some, academic who yeah, wrote it's, this. It's got mm. some insightful thoughts about where fashions come from, some of the principles. Mm. And I think this is where this is what I teach on the blog is I'm teaching those principles yes. back so that you mm. can use them. And they've got lost. The fashion designers these days, especially the mass market fashion designers, are not even looking at those principles on the whole. And it must be said too that a number of fashion bloggers are also about the commercialization yes. of um, clothing as opposed to the individual style journey. Yeah. And I think that's why people are so attracted to your blog and also to 16 Style Types because that's what it's about. It's about bringing you back to what is true for you, what is individual for you and being your own style muse, yes. being your best style confidant, getting information that you need and putting it together in a way that makes sense for you. So we'd love to know how you negotiate that balance between fashion and style.